Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 28, and I've got a special double tasting featuring two bourbons from Wiggly Bridge Distillery in York, Maine. For every episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, entertaining, and consistent in my reviews. My thanks for this episode go to David Woods, the founder, owner, and distiller of Wiggly Bridge Distillery. We connected via social media and scheduled an interview, ended up having a wonderful conversation with David that went twice as long as I had planned for. But I got a lot of the story of the distillery and the bourbons I'm going to taste. David also was nice enough to provide me with the two bottles that I'll be sampling on this episode. So the two spirits I'll be tasting is Wiggly Bridge's Small Barrel Bourbon Whiskey. This is their best seller. It comes in a 750 milliliter bottle. It's 43% alcohol by volume, making it 86 proof, and it retails for around $55. The second spirit is the Bottled in Bond Bourbon Whiskey. This one is higher proof. It also is 750 milliliters, but it is 50% alcohol by volume, making it 100 proof. And the Bottled in Bond retails for about $75. Both of these bourbon bottles look great on a shelf. They are classy in that the small barrel, it's a very cylindrical bottle. It's got almost a flat shoulder, then it comes up to a cylindrical neck. It's got a synthetic topper with a wooden top on it. And on both of the bottles, they've got a painted label. So there's no paper label on them. That's a more expensive process to do a painted on label. Conversely, the bottled in bond, it's more of a flat taller bottle, but it is very classic whiskey shape. It makes me think of an old style whiskey bottle. I will, of course, post photos of both bottles on the social media channel, so check those out. All right, let's dive right in and open these bottles up. I've not tasted them yet. They are still sealed. They've got plastic seal on them, so let me take this off. I'm starting with the small barrel bourbon. And I will, of course, be tasting these neat. I've got a pair of clean Glencairn glasses here, which is a classic whiskey glass. It's tulip-shaped, allows you to swirl the spirit without it sloshing out. You can get a good nose, and the aroma gathers up at the top, and you can get a nice look at it as well after you pour. So, here comes the pop on small barrel bourbon. (laughs) Uh, It's always great. All right, let's do a little pour. First off, the small barrel in the glass, it's a burnt amber, very orange color to it. Now let's try it on the nose. Sweet, caramely. Not a lot of wood undertones to it. I don't really pick up a lot of nuttiness per se, or char or anything like that. It's pleasant. It almost smells, it smells fresh. I don't know if that's a descriptor for whiskey, but it makes sense. Okay, let's give it a taste. It's smooth. It's got some spice, some of the alcohol coming through, but it's 
spiciness beyond the ethanol. It's got a long finish. I caught fruitiness. There's that sweet caramely forwardness. Let's try it again. Less spicy in the second taste. So that's probably the ethanol just kind of waking up my <laughs> taste buds. I catch tobacco, almost a sweet tobacco flavor, which is quite nice, smooth. And it's got a nice viscous feel in the mouth, good mouth feel. It's not syrupy. All right, well, I'm cleansed my palate with a good uh, drink of water so that I can move on to the bottled and bond bourbon and give it a fair review. All right, it has not been opened either, so plastic comes off on it. And the bottle pop. Ooh, very nice. And a pour. The color of the bottled in bond is slightly lighter and yellower than the small barrel. It's still an amber color, but it's not quite as dark. And on the nose, It's less complex, I think. It's not overly pronounced as far as like the sweet caramelness that I got from the small barrel. The bottled and bond doesn't lead with that. There's some light, maybe orchard fruit, like apples flavor I'm catching in the background. Not a lot of ethanol burn, which is surprising because it's higher proof than the small barrel, but Smells like whiskey, and let's try it on the palate. I catch a little more oakiness with the bottled and bond. It is very smooth at 100 proof. I'm surprised I'm not hit with the alcohol content. There's a little astringency coming through in the finish, but it's not offensive. Let's try it again. There's a sweetness and carameliness to this, and the orchard fruit that I maybe smelled is more of a more of a cherry flavor or kind of a dried plum perhaps is more of what I'm tasting rather than smelling but bottled and bond quite nice all right so let's dive into history on Wiggly Bridge and I have to start with the name first of all Wiggly Bridge takes its name from an actual bridge in York, Maine, USA, and it's the world's smallest pedestrian suspension bridge. The bridge is featured on every bottle of Wiggly Bridge Spirits in more or less pronounced ways, but it is a, a cool-looking little bridge. You can look it up online and see it. The bridge was built around 1929 by a company that is now the premier supplier of stadium seating. So this company that built the bridge is still in business, just not a bridge builder anymore, it seems. About 90 years ago or so, the Steadman family or Steedman family hired this company to build the bridge so that they could gain access to some land that they owned along the York River. And the York River, it's near the mouth where it dumps into the Atlantic Ocean. Legend has it that the bridge got its name from a local Girl Scout troop in the 1940s who said the bridge wiggled. And being a suspension bridge for pedestrians, it likely did. I'm told, though, that in the mid-1980s, the bridge was updated and made safer and, as David tells me, less fun. 
So that's where the name comes from, but the distillery got its name because during the permitting process, they needed to put a name on the application. And after searching for something that would fit, uh, David Woods, the founder, recalled that the Wiggly Bridge was a favorite haunt to hang out during high school for a bit of mischief, uh, so it seemed fitting to name the distillery Wiggly Bridge. I spoke with David Woods about how he and his son ended up in the spirits business, and it turns out the distillery is just part of a bigger family business. The Woods are entrepreneurial and they have a real strong sense of family. They run diverse businesses from a campground to car washes. In the fall through winter, they tend to have large family dinners on Sundays, and these will end up becoming a bit of business meeting around dish time after they're finished with the meal, talking about the various business interests that the family has. At one of these Sunday family dinners in 2011, David's son, David, blurted out that they should build a still and make whiskey. David Sr. shut the idea down pretty quick, but it kicked around in his head for several weeks, and he came to the conclusion that he didn't like the scenarios if he simply ignored it. Essentially, he was afraid his son would go off and do it anyway, moonshining as it were, and the outcomes for such an undertaking outside of the law would not have been good. So David had lunch with his son and specifically forbade him to build a still. He knew that the younger David had the skills to actually make a still and the curiosity that he just might go off and do it. So he specifically said, do not do this. The woods do vacation in Montserrat, which is a Caribbean island near St. Kitts and Nevis. It's a small island, and on a trip there, David Sr. spoke with local authorities about the legality of distilling alcohol on the island. He was told that there were no laws against it and they could have at it. So they decided to indulge the idea of distilling in a jurisdiction outside the U.S. They shipped some copper down to Montserrat, and in 2012, they built their own 15-gallon pot still. David said it resulted in some terrible rum, but they learned quite a bit. And with that bit of experience, they decided to pursue proper licensing in the U.S. to open a distillery and bring their hobby or experiments home. It took 18 months in his spare time for David to get the federal permit, and when he got it in 2013, his wife didn't know. As part of their business interests, they had a vacant storefront at the beach back home in York, Maine, and David decided that that was the place to put the permit to use. So with the help of a contractor, they reworked the space into the distillery. And as David tells it, his wife came by one day and seeing the improvements, asked him who the new tenant was. He said it was David and David. So that's how he told his wife that he was getting into the whiskey business with his son. Both of the Davids enjoy bourbon in particular, so that's what they set out to make. Most distilleries can't or don't start with a focus on aged spirits because you're years into it before you have anything to sell. Most people simply can't afford that, but David describes himself as a frugal mainer, and excluding the building upgrades, he was able to open the doors to the distillery for less than $20,000. What really made this possible is that Wiggly Bridge distills in stills that they themselves have built. They started with the 15-gallon in Montserrat and went up from there. And they were economical in other ways, such as using new food-grade 55-gallon trash cans for fermentation vessels at the start. And David also sourced a large boiler from a school district in Florida that he used as a kettle in part of the process. This kettle he covered in low-density, high-temp expansion foam, and voila, a very economical piece of equipment helped Wiggly Bridge get their start. Their first product was available in 2015. Wiggly Bridge began with a business plan, and they figured it would take about eight years to get to a breakout year, which was to be 2020. This was going to be the first year that David said they wouldn't run short of juice. They'd always run out of product in prior years, building an inventory to age, then bottle. But then, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and that changed things. 
David told me, he said, you can sell your hooch, but you can't sell your brand. So, like I've heard from other distillers this year, consumers are buying alcohol, but they're buying what they already know. Shopping has pretty much ended in favor of buying. To get the distillery off the ground, they built a 60-gallon still, then a 90-gallon, and then a 100-gallon size because David said with a chuckle his math wasn't quite right. And they started aging in 5-gallon barrels initially. These are very small, but quickly stepped up to a 30-gallon barrel size, baby barrels as he calls them. Their learning curve for how to do distillation came from trial and error and lots of research. David estimates it took him about five batches, five fermentations to get it right. But he says he loves research and had a pretty good idea of what he was after. And with time, they've expanded to be more of a full-line distiller. They're producing two different rums, three expressions of agave spirits, a platinum, a resposado, and an añejo, plus a vodka and a dry gin. The gin is one of the more recent products, and it came about because the younger David suggested to his father that they should make a gin. David Sr. didn't have an interest in it, but when his son said he didn't think his father could make a gin he liked, the gauntlet had been thrown down and a gin using their bourbon base and seven different botanicals was created. Back to the business of the distillery, David says he spends seven days a week there, but he really misses all the people that went away with the pandemic. They'd been doing tours seven days a week and quarterly distiller for a day clinics where people had come from as far away as San Diego to attend. That's all on hold now, though. Wiggly Bridge has some great marketing as well. Beyond their decidedly non-startup bottles, their website includes a great video showing their craft. And more than any other distiller I've yet spoken to, the Woods are doing so much on their own. Handcrafted is not just a tagline, it's absolutely the truth with Wiggly Bridge. David also tells me he built Wiggly Bridge with his son because they enjoy each other's company a ton, but he admits they can't work together all day, every day. And Wiggly Bridge is for David Sr.'s grandkids. He's already set it up to require a member of the family, always runs the distillery, or it'll be closed and liquidated. He wants to really build legacy for the family and for the family to work at owning Wiggly Bridge in the future. So let's jump into more of the production side of how do they make their bourbon. Production is very hands-on. As I said before, David and his son David are doing almost everything themselves. From building their first stills, to building even larger ones as their capacity has increased, it's really quite amazing. Their largest still is a 750-gallon one that the younger David welded and built with his father. There's a video of the process online I'll share in show notes. It's craft for sure. I mean, they just have sheets of copper, they weld them up. And the younger David, he learned how to weld just by befriending people on Instagram and watching YouTube videos and just figuring he'd give it a go. And sure enough, he's welding copper and they've created this 750 gallon still that does the lion's share of the distillation for the distillery now. David Sr. shared his mantra with me, which is go full tilt boogie. And it really is kind of a, a sense of, you know, just kind of go forth and conquer, give it a try. What's the worst that'll happen? Wiggly Bridge even builds their own ricks or storage racks for their barrels, and they're finalizing plans to build a second rick house to hold another 1,600 barrels. The craft video I mentioned on the Wiggly Bridge website shows the Davids building a rick. I'm told they've learned to only really build them in the spring or fall because otherwise the ground is frozen in the winter or it's too hot in the main summer. 
I asked David if they plan to open a cooperage, and he assured me that they're not going to start making barrels. Uh, They're currently sourcing from ISC and Black Swan and various levels of toast and char. But he has learned how to repair a barrel. As he said, one was damaged when he was unloading it himself and it fell. It didn't rupture, but it did require a bit of repair work. So you can add that skill of barrel repair to the repertoire. For the bourbon production process, they're all sour mashes, and the mash bill for both the small barrel and the bottled and bond are the same. They're 58% corn, 37% rye, and 5% malted barley. I'm told all of their spirits are soft and smooth, and David attributes some of this to how they cook their grains. They're using a specific, though secret, strain of yeast for fermentation, and the water used for proofing the spirits from barrel to bottle is also very soft, with only 1 16th of a grain of hardness and only 27 parts per million of total dissolved solids out of the faucet, and this is before they carbon filter the water. Compared to a Tennessee or Kentucky bourbon with hard water from limestone sources, the water up in York, Maine is super soft. The small barrel is named for the 30-gallon barrels they started with. It used to be named Baby Barrel Bourbon, but they had to go away from that for trademark reasons. In a smaller barrel, spirits age faster due to a larger exposure or surface area to the wood of the spirits. The Davids do barrel evaluations on Sunday. They proof them way down for tasting and pick barrels for bottling. With some of the 30-gallon barrels, David Sr. says they're purposefully over-aging some just to see what happens. He's noted a cycle from good to bad to back to good with the aging of the spirits, but says at times it's like trying to catch a falling knife to get them when they're ready. The small barrel is aged a minimum of 24 months, but likely bottled at closer to 36 to 40 months. The bottled and bond is matured in standard 53-gallon barrels for more than four years and probably closer to five by the time they bottle it. Wiggly Bridge didn't stay small. They increased capacity as they went. As I mentioned, they're building a second rickhouse for aging. And when they built their first rickhouse, David said this was the first in the Northeast in decades. And they're at the distillery every day producing a few barrels a day. David Sr. estimates they have close to 100,000 gallons of maturing whiskey in the rickhouse. They'd wanted to get away from the 30-gallon barrels, but people liked the small barrel and kept buying it, so they've kept making it. They know they're making a good product in their opinion, but David tells me it's not exactly what he wants just yet, but he knows it's in the rickhouse waiting to be picked. On to cocktails and consumption. How do you drink this bourbon? Well, if you want to mix it, old-fashioned is about where you should stop. Otherwise, just neat. You can throw uh, some ice cubes in it if you want, a little water if you like, but... You know, I think that I will drink these bottles neat, maybe on the rocks, but most likely neat. So in summary, what do I think of Wiggly Bridge Small Barrel Bourbon Whiskey and the Bottled and Bond Bourbon Whiskey? Both are fine spirits. They're quite good. It's It'll hold its own against any other bourbon you would try. I enjoy the softness, the smoothness of both. I think my preferred of the two is the Small Barrel. It's a bit sweeter and that aligns with my personal palate. I like sweetness and the small barrel tastes sweeter to me. And again, my thanks to David Woods for taking the time to share his story with me and for the wonderful spirits. So that's it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Ask Alexa to play Liquor in the Core Connoisseur podcast. I'm on Amazon Music. The show is also on social media. Look for photos on Facebook and Instagram. And also leave me your feedback. I enjoy hearing from my listeners. And as always, 
Thank you for listening.